Welcome to MBA in a Day, a brief, deep, and easy to understand place to get and apply important business concepts and principles, the same that are taught in top-tier MBA programs. I'm Professor Strausser, and in the 25 years that I've been teaching in elite MBA programs, I've noticed folks like doctors, attorneys, engineers, scientists, nonprofit executives, small business people, entrepreneurs, folks that are already well-educated, already smart, but may not have had the kind of business training that they need to be successful in their business or practice. So whether you're listening to this in your car, while commuting to or from work, on a plane, at the gym, on the beach, or just want to learn about business, let's get started with this episode's exploration of critical business concepts. So in today's episode, I'd like to share some thoughts about consumer behavior. An important thing to remember here is that when we're dealing with purchase decisions, we're dealing with lots of different factors that interact and affect the way that folks make decisions. Think about your own relationships, for instance. There are probably many times when you think you presented something in a meaningful way to somebody, and lo and behold, the way they interpreted it was very different. It's not that much different in marketing. Very often, we have smart, successful marketers who misunderstand a particular customer base, a particular kind of customer, and their individual and sometimes unpredictable wants and needs. So we look at customers, we're trying to answer some questions like, who is the person that's buying? Why do they buy? What do they buy? How do they go about the decisions to buy? And where do they buy and how often? If we can get into the customer's head and understand any or all of those questions, we've come a long way to really understanding how to best serve the needs of our customers and to make the most out of our marketing budget and our marketing resources. We can categorize customers in terms of whether or not the customer is the final purchaser and user of the product or service. In other words, they are making their decisions as individuals. They're probably using their own discretionary income. Or we can also look at organizational customers. Those are businesses that are buying stuff either to resell to others or to use in the production of their own product or service. One of the things that's important in understanding consumer behavior is the notion of demographics. What does the customer look like? We identify and measure our customers in terms of several different variables. The idea of a demographic profile is driven by things like age, gender, location, how mobile they are, their income, what they spend their money on, what kind of occupation they might be in, how educated they are, their marital status, uh, what kind of ethnicity or cultural background are they coming from. So let's take a look at some of these a little bit further. Population is obviously a good starting point because that's who we're selling to in a big, big macro sense. And we're finding that the demographics in more industrialized nations are older. And in less developed nations, our populations tend to be a little bit younger. If we look at the housing and mobility, what we're seeing in the United States is a greater drive to urbanization. 
higher density places offer more job opportunities, more amenities, and so on. So we are seeing as a demographic profile, our customers are more often in more urban kinds of settings. If we look at income and how people spend money, we usually want to focus on disposable income. That's the income that somebody has or a household has after they have paid off necessities. That money is available for things beyond absolute necessities and even further discretionary income, which is money that is available that can be spent on extras, uh, luxuries, those things that are desired after the absolute necessities are purchased. Occupation and education come into play when we are more educated as a population. The things that we want as consumers are different than if our educational level is much lower. Literacy rate is important in understanding consumer behavior as to how to shape our message and how to get our communication across to a desired target market. When we look at marital status, a family of two or more is going to have different spending patterns, require different things than perhaps a single person. Understanding what our target market looks like in terms of their marital status will also shape our marketing strategy. We have found in the factor of ethnicity and race, very different purchase behaviors based on longstanding cultural formation and the way that a customer has been brought up. The values of a particular ethnicity, particular cultural background will be important in determining how those customers are spending their money. This is being brought to you by MBA in a Day. Why spend years and $50,000 when you can get the recently updated classic business bestseller with easy-to-understand business principles and concepts, the same as those taught in top-tier MBA programs? Listeners to this podcast can save $5 off the $19.95 retail price by going to mbaandaday.com and entering the code MBA2.0. Demographics are a trusted thing. However, they can often be out of date. So many marketers rely upon the U.S. Census. The issue with that is that it's taken only every 10 years. Very quickly, it becomes out of date. The U.S. government census data is helpful, but can only be a starting point. It's important to understand what changes may have taken place since the last census has been taken. We can look at how consumers make decisions based on their lifestyle. What kinds of choices do those consumers make about the way that they want to spend their money and how they want to spend their time? If we look at the social profile of a consumer, we think about things like where are they in the family life cycle? If we're talking about families, families' uh, purchasing patterns change as kids come along. As the family matures, we also see that a consumer is shaped by how they view opinion leaders. People they aspire to can shape the way that a consumer makes a decision or thinks about a product or service. Just the very social class that consumer is in will shape their views on how important certain products might be or what products may be important to them. So if we look at a 
traditional family life cycle, we begin pre-family, that is unmarried consumer. With marriage comes a difference in spending patterns, housing, different products, services that are required. As kids come along, even further changes are going to be taking place. Eventually, as the kids get older and are off on their own, we enter this empty nest phase where there may be downsizing. The products and services that are purchased are very different than when there was a full family. At the end of the life cycle, when there may only be one survivor of the couple, then those purchase decisions are very different. And marketers are catering specifically to that profile of consumer. Another thing that plays into how consumers make decisions is the perceived risk associated with a purchase. If a purchase is very important and seems to have a lot of risk associated with it, chances are that consumer is going to spend a lot of time and energy doing homework and trying to figure out how to mitigate that risk that a particular purchase may represent. The kinds of risk that we find can be categorized as things like functional risk. When the consumer is thinking about something, one of the risks they're trying to assess is Will this product or service perform as promised? There may be physical risk. The product or service can create some sort of harmful condition or that may not perform as promised and cause harm. There's obviously a financial risk that the product or service is not going to be worth whatever it is that it costs. There could be social risk that purchasing a particular product or service represents a potential source of embarrassment. Then there's psychological risk associated with the social risk that you are maybe making a foolhardy purchase. This may damage your own ego and how you think about yourself as a consumer. And then there's also the risk of time. Maybe by purchasing this product, I wasted a lot of time because it's perhaps not performing as expected. If we look at the consumer buying and decision process, there are several stages that go into this consumer behavior. To begin with, we have a stimulus. That consumer goes into an awareness that there is an unmet need. So you identify a need, then the stage of information search. We start looking at ways to meet that need. There may be alternatives that can help meet that need. Once we have been doing some homework, we'll go into an evaluation phase. That is, we weigh the different alternatives and we make a selection. Then we buy the product or service. There is an exchange of money and the product or service is now ours. Finally, we have the very important phase of this decision process that's often overlooked, the post-purchase behavior. What happens after the purchase is made? In the case of very high-risk kinds of purchases, purchases that represent very high use of financial resources, the consumer is very often going to be doubting themselves about whether they made the right purchase. In some fields of psychology, we call this cognitive dissonance. If you look at advertising, for instance, of automobiles and expensive and risky kinds of purchases, a lot of the advertising is really targeted to the consumer who's already purchased that product to assure them that they have indeed made the right kind of purchase. 
We can also categorize this process of purchasing into the different types of decision-making. There is an extended decision-making process where we go through every one of these steps we just talked about. There is a limited process where we might go through the steps, but because of time pressure or urgency, maybe these steps we talked about are not evaluated quite as thoroughly. Then there are routine decisions where brand awareness comes into play because in a routine decision process, we're probably buying the same thing over and over again. And if we like a brand, it takes a lot of the effort out of that process. We rely on the brand value that we perceive. So we make that decision rather routinely. And then there's this notion of low involvement purchasing, where the purchase really doesn't matter that much to us. So we don't spend a lot of time and effort. There's relatively low risk to the purchase. It is something that we might do more casually. So looking at this whole idea of consumer behavior, we try to apply principles of psychology, sociology, the whole idea of understanding how humans behave but humans are very complex things. So reliance on pure science for understanding consumers is somewhat flawed. We learn a lot by introducing trial products and services to see how consumers react to those trial products or services. We learn from those early betas and prototypes, then we can improve the products or services based on the early results, the early feedback we get from customers. It's sometimes a rather unscientific approach, but if we spend time and energy to understand the variables and the different elements that go into a decision to purchase something, then as marketers, we can make much better decisions, utilize our marketing resources more effectively, and be more sustainable as an organization in the long term. This has been brought to you by MBA in a Day. Why spend years in $50,000 when you can get the recently updated classic business bestseller with easy-to-understand business principles and concepts, the same as those taught in top-tier MBA programs? Listeners to this podcast can save $5 off the $19.95 retail price by going to mbaanaday.com and entering the code MBA2.0. 